Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On today's show, we have Rich Kent. Rich, great to have you on the show. How's it going? Very well, thank you. All right, thanks for being here. Before we get started, here's a little bit about Rich. Rich oversees Avistone's capital markets operations and brings more than 30 years of experience in financial services, real estate investment, and capital markets to the company. Having completed transactions in commercial properties valued at more than $2 billion, Richard served as a senior executive at Auction.com prior to founding Avastone. Today's main focus will be on a different asset class other than multifamily, and that will be industrial and flex space. All right, well, let's get started. Rich, could you please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the introduction. Uh, I'm one of the managing principals of Avastone. Uh, Avastone is a multi-tenant industrial flex property owner. Uh, we started the firm about oh, 2013, about six years ago now, uh, with the mission of uh, a couple things. Um, you know, both my partner and I were at auction.com, as you mentioned, and there, uh, you know, we sold uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of distressed assets at, at auction uh, coming out of the Great Recession of 2008. Well, right about 2012, 2013, we can clearly see the market in commercial real estate was improving uh, because we were having less and less distressed assets to sell at auction. So we decided uh, to leave auction.com and we formed Davistone. And we did it with a couple things in mind. The first thing, uh, having spent years in financial services, uh, we realized that, that most uh, high net worth individuals when they look in the alternative investment space, uh, in particular into, into real estate, uh, what most of them really want is good cash flow. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how wealthy you are, everybody likes cash flow when they're buying properties. The second thing, they, they were fairly risk adverse because in the alternative investment market, you know, these were their retirement dollars. Uh, this, this was more of their safe money, maybe uh, a little bit higher up in the pyramid than stocks and bonds, but they weren't looking to take a lot of risk. They were looking to make very good risk reward decisions. So the next thing we took a look at is what was attractive in the commercial real estate space. I mean, we all have experience in multifamily, commercial, you know, different asset classes, but we zeroed in on industrial and multi-tenant industrial, which is which is flex. Everybody recognizes these business parks. Uh, in the front, you have office um, offices for businesses. In the back, you have the roll-up garages and distribution space. So the reason we focused in on industrial flex is for the simple reason they're really not making this product type anymore. Uh, if you drive around your community, you will not see construction of single-story tilt-up concrete buildings going up 
on 20 acre sites. Land is just too valuable today. So typically this asset class has not been constructed since the 1980s, 1990s, maybe the early 2000s. So there's only just so much of this product left. And when we go in to purchase these type of assets, one of the primary things that drive us is being able to buy it way below its replacement cost. So what this means over time is that if they're not building this product type anymore, uh, metropolitan markets are getting bitty, uh, bigger. You go to find attractive infill locations and you can't duplicate it. So once these projects become nearly stabilized, tenants have very few options to move and they become what we call sticky tenants. So that's what we set out to do uh, when we um, started Davistone. Uh, between my, uh, you know, my partner and myself, we have you know, all the skills from acquisition all the way through capital markets and raising uh, equity through securities offerings. Awesome, thanks for that. So you touched on it a little bit, but can you maybe go into a little more detail on what exactly a flex space is? Yeah, flex, uh, you know, flex, stands obviously for flexible. So if, um, you know, if I'm a business and uh, let's say I do food distribution, well, I need office space and I need, I need distribution space, I need workspace. So it's a type of property where it's flexible, the amount of office space you have in proportion to the industrial space you have. Uh, typically uh, employees, customers will walk in the front door of a nice, uh, you know, looking uh, retail type structure. But in the back, trucks could pull in, you have the roll up garages and you could load and offload uh, material. Now some firms need, uh, some of our clients uh, are in uh, dialysis, in the medical services industry. They may do testing in the back. It just gives companies the flexible uh, space in order to create whatever unique business that they have. Okay. And what is it about industrial that you like so much? Well, uh, let me, let me, let, let me count the, count the things. Um, when you look at most, uh, so many businesses in today's industry, okay. If you look at internet sales, uh, internet sales, uh, Amazon in particular has been a huge boom to industrial properties. So rather than going to the store, I order things online. Well, that gets, um, those transactions take place in a warehouse property. Uh, if, you, if you look at uh, most of the building trades, uh, they set up in an industrial property. Many high-tech firms set up in industrial properties because they have uh, testing and some manufacturing element to their space. Uh, biotechnology uh, is a, is a, is a is a very big user of uh, flex industrial properties. So it's, it's for the modern economy, it's, uh, it's a solution to many businesses. Now, you know, most of us uh, at one time or another have telecommuted to our jobs. Well, in industrial properties, people don't telecommute, they actually work there. So sometimes I question uh, the future of, uh, of office space, suburban office, not necessarily uh, high rise uh, uh, downtown office space, but it is so easy today for people to telecommunicate with uh, even the software that we're using this morning. Uh, we use something at Avascone 
Evanston called Teams, where we could have instant meetings. Uh, you know, we have people uh, employed in numerous cities, and we're able to communicate instantly with them. So industrial properties, people actually work there. Uh, something else that we've done in, in uh, several of our properties is we're creating uh, the new style of collaborative office space, like WeWorks, where, you know, we'll go into our spaces, we'll, you know, we'll make one big space, We'll create different divides. We'll put really nice uh, polyurethane glassing on, on, the, on the floor. We'll open up the ceilings. And, you know, we'll create, uh, you know, the type of office space that millennials love. So we have all of this flexibility in our, in our industrial parks. Yeah, perfect. When are you looking for when you're, um, for your main buy, buying criteria when you're looking for these types of properties? Well, our, our business model is very simple. Uh, we look, we first look in major metropolitan markets. We like to call them NFL cities, but some of them don't uh, have NFL teams, but they have at least a million, two million and more residents in a metropolitan area. So that that's number one. Number two, you know, we look for cities that have various uh, economic drivers. They're not all dependent on one industry. They have lots of different industries. If you look at somewhere like Atlanta, where we have a number of properties, uh, Atlanta has uh, a very large percentage of Fortune 100 companies in that city. So if one market's not doing well, another market would be doing well. Next, we look for infill locations along major highways. Because again, uh, you're, you're not seeing these properties built anymore. So when you find 25 acres of land along a major highway in a city like Atlanta, let's say, um, and you find a property on that, you're not going to have competition from new development going up anywhere close. You know, we'll typically buy at 30, sometimes 40% of its replacement cost, even if you could replace it uh, in today's economy. So once you find those types of markets, then we look for properties that are <sighs> Not, not distressed, but not fully stabilized either. They've maybe been undermanaged. Uh, maybe the existing owner didn't provide enough money in, in capital improvements uh, to fully lease the property. So they have some element uh, of value add to them. So essentially when we find those type of properties in those type of locations, you know, we buy them. Uh, again, typically well below the replacement cost. We like to have in-place cash flow uh, but not at its full potential. So we buy it, we fix it, you know, we'll put on uh, new roofs if we have to, we'll repave the parking, uh, we'll make it look nice, we'll bring it up to our standards. And then we actively manage it. We have our own uh, management people on the ground. You know, this is the type of property that takes a lot of management. You need to know what your tenants are doing, you know, who's wanting to expand, uh, who may be leaving. You, you really need to be in touch with that. You need to do that with your, with your own people. So we buy it, fix it, actively management, manage it. And when it's opportunistic, uh, we look to sell it. So again, it's very simple business plan, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's worked well for us. Yep. What does a typical lease look like for these spaces? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, we like three to five year leases. And the reason is, is that, uh, well, number one, we, we, we won't buy an asset where there 
one tenant has more than 20% of the space. So we like a lot of different tenants for the same reason that people like multifamily. Uh, when you have leases for three to five years, then every year about 20 to 25% of your rent roll uh, is coming due. And that's what lets you increase rents gently over time and provides, uh, provides the potential for capital appreciation. So in other words, when we go in, we're looking for positive cash flow from day one. We'll typically target anywhere from, you know, six and a half, seven to even 8% cash on cash yields from day one. You know, we look for rental increases of about three to 4% a year. And then we look to sell in maybe a three to five year period. So when you start to, to add up those different things, essentially we're looking for a mid-teen IRR. We're not looking to hit home runs. We're looking to hit solid doubles. That's uh, so. That's so. Again, uh, the more the leases are rolling, that's what gives you the ability to raise rents. When you're in a tight market, and typically the markets that we're we're buying in have 90% occupancy in the submarkets, the tenants don't have options to move. These these types of spaces are hard to duplicate because businesses create them very specific to their needs. So if I need 30% office and 70% warehouse, it's difficult to go into a market that has really high occupancy already and try to replicate what I already have. So again, uh, it creates what we call sticky tenants. Okay, and are these typically triple net leases? Uh, typically, well, we would like them to be. Oftentimes when we buy a property, you know, we're buying it from a seller that probably purchased the property in the recession. And uh, like all property types in the Great Recession of 2008, uh, you know, these properties had, uh, you know, increasing occupant, uh, vacancy. So when those sellers bought uh, the assets when they were more distressed, their strategy was just to fill them up. In other words, if you had a pulse and you needed a you needed a a, uh, a unit, you got a property. And so we see leases in all different types: uh, modified gross, triple net. So when we buy it, we like to put everything on triple net, uh, where we could pass through the cost. But often that takes us about five years to get everybody on that type of lease. Okay, got it. So what's been one of the most challenging properties you've taken over and what was that challenge? Uh, one of the most challenging properties uh, is early in, early in, our, uh, in our company's history. You know, we went into the Sacramento market because we're Californians. Uh, property values are always good in California. Sacramento's the state capital. We thought, you know, this, this uh, over time is going to be a, a good, a good market. They're building a lot of the homes in Sacramento and the, and the region's growing. But Sacramento only has 400,000 people in that market. So what we discovered in this type of product type, you really need to be in major markets where you have uh, access to large populations of potential tenants. And that turned out not to be the case in Sacramento. So we sold both the properties we had in Sacramento. Uh, we made money on both of them, but we didn't hit the returns that we, uh, that we wanted to. But the lesson that we learned is that these type properties are best in major metropolitan markets. You need population and you need different economic drivers. Now, I live in San Diego and uh, 
you know, people ask me all the time, why don't I, why don't we buy assets in San Diego? And we would love to, but number one, San Diego is very expensive. Cap rates are low. <clears throat> but when you look at the San Diego market, there's only one Fortune 500 company, or only one Fortune 100 company in San Diego, and that's Qualcomm. So it's not a, it's not a city. Uh, everybody loves San Diego, but it doesn't have a lot of economic drivers compared to a market like Atlanta that has numerous, or Tampa. Uh, even Columbus, Ohio has multiple economic drivers. So that's the lesson that we learned. Greater population, much more diverse economic drivers will uh, take a lot of the risk out of your uh, acquisitions. What's the best deal that you've done? Well, uh, one of the best deals, uh, well, all of our deals uh, were just, by the way, we're just uh, now starting to become sellers. Uh, we just closed a property in uh, Orlando that we owned for about two and a half years. Um, and I think net, net, net on that, we're, we probably are looking at about a 17% internal rate of return on that. Uh, we're closing this week, in fact, tomorrow, and I'm going to knock on wood here. Uh, we're closing a property that we've owned uh, for about four and a half years in, um, in Orlando. I mean, I'm sorry, in Tampa. And that uh, we're looking pretty close to an 18% IRR on that and a fairly high multiple. Uh, so again, uh, you know, these have been really good acquisitions, but they really are the norm of what we've been able to, uh, you know, to accomplish. Now, as time goes on, we're going to start selling more assets, but I would say that we're exceeding what we underwrote and what we told our investors that we were going to shoot for on these. Mm -hmm. Congrats okay. on that sale, by the way. Okay. Well, no, let's knock on knock wood. On wood. <laughs> right. Tomorrow. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so if you had not focused on multi-tenant uh, industrial properties that are in the flex category, what would you have focused on? Well, most people, uh, most investors are familiar with uh, multifamily for, for a number of different reasons. Number one, we've all lived in apartments. We all understand that product type, and that tends to be a very popular uh, sector of the commercial real estate market. But when you look at multifamily, um, you know, the values are above replacement costs now. That's why we see so many apartment buildings going up, is that when assets get above the replacement cost, it's time for developers to build. So as much as I like multifamily, um, I think it's too expensive right now. If I were gonna focus on anything else, believe it or not, uh, I've always liked mobile home parks. And the reason is not, not in California, you can't buy them anymore in California, but when you look at different parts of the country, uh, I think that asset type makes a lot of sense, uh, and especially the three-star parks, because the three-star parks, uh, when you have this huge population of retiring baby boomers, they make a lot of sense for affordable housing for, ba for retiring baby boomers, where they could, uh, you know, your space rent is typically several hundred dollars a month. You could actually make that payment with your social security check if you had to. And it's not really expensive, uh, relatively speaking, to buy a nice manufactured housing. So I think that in the right, in the, in the right parts of the country, in the right areas, uh, well-located three-star parks, nothing fancy, uh, make a lot of sense. And once they're stabilized, they're, they, they just continue to cash flow. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's what I would look at. So to me, industrial seems like an asset class that has a pretty high barrier to entry. What would be your advice to someone that's just starting out in this space? 
Well, um, it's, you know, that, that old saying, don't try this at home. Um, it's very management intensive. Uh, a number of the projects that we have purchased over the years, we purchased from firms that own different apartments and our multifamily projects. And, but they weren't getting the yield that they wanted. So they thought, well, we'll go into the flex industrial market. And they, uh, they had their heads handed to them. And the, the reason being is that in apartments, your, your, your rollover risk is you know, very, very uh, quantifiable. And you know what it costs to refurbish an apartment. But when you're dealing with uh, this type of multi-tenant commercial property, uh, you have tenant improvements and you have leasing commissions and you have uncertainty of rollover and what it's going to cost you to refit spaces. So, so number one, you need to have really adequate reserves and very sophisticated software programs like Argus to give you a very good probability of rollover cost. Um, and then, you know, you, you need to manage that process and you need boots on the ground to understand your tenants and not have to rely on third-party management firms that will just market your space with a number of other spaces. So that, that would be my, um, my advice is don't underestimate the level of management that you have to provide these properties. If you, if you, if you manage them right, they will be a cash cow. But if you don't, you will run out of reserves. Yep, I think that applies to many asset classes, you know, multifamily and uh, as well. So that's great advice. But Lita's is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you looking to buy or sell a home in Los Angeles or Orange County, California? Kyle Mitchell is a full-time real estate professional whose life's purpose is to add massive value to those who align with his mission, vision, and values while giving back to those in need. Kyle donates 20% of his commissions to the charity of his client's choice with the goal to donate $1 million to charities across the world. To find out more about helping Kyle reach his goal of donating $1 million to charities, visit www.kylemitchellre.com. All right, Rich, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? Excel. <laughs> Uh, you know, again, we have uh, Argus programs, but we, you know, there's a lot of modeling that goes into these, uh, into these properties. Uh, just, I mean, just in leasing rollover risks, cash flow, uh, <laughs> investor returns. So yes, uh, Excel, we, Excel is our canvas <laughs> that we, you know, that we create with. Great. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Uh, well, fortunately, uh, and I'm not going to win again, win again. At Evanston, we, you know, we haven't, you know, we haven't made uh, really bad mistakes. The market has been good in the last several years. Um, but if I were to look back, um, you know, none of us really saw the severity of the last recession. And so you, you now have an entire generation of people in commercial real estate that have been through that 100-year storm. Uh, it's tended to make us very, very conservative. Uh, so I would say, you know, when we look at properties today and we're buying them, rather than leveraging them all the way up to the extent that we can, we under leverage and we focus on debt coverage ratios. So that would be the mistake that... Uh, 
when I was a lender that I would see people make, and we would even make as a lender, not enough debt coverage. Debt right, coverage is your friend. All right. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Well, we're continuing, um, you know, we're starting to sell assets. Uh, we're continuing to buy uh, more projects. Uh, we're starting to uh, team up with some institutional investors where we could buy much larger projects and portfolios of assets where we're using their capital. We have our own capital. Uh, and they're, they're essentially coming to us because we know how to manage this asset class. The institutional market has really discovered flex industrial properties, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't, they don't have the means to manage them. So we're more than happy to do that for them. <laughs> Finally, where can people find out more about you? Well, if you go to our website, uh, avastone.com, uh, you could find us. You could, Perfect. You could read about us and you could find us and you can see our latest deals. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your expertise in a different asset class, and we appreciate you being on our show. All righty. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Rich. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.